So I wanted to pick up on something that we talked about last week. Um, last week, we, uh, Marta, you asked a question about people who um, who are white, who want to engage um, in conversations about, in anti-racist conversations and uh, learn and grow and what they can do and how to engage with, with, um, with folks other than themselves. And my suggestion was that um, people actually uh, talk to their own people, talk to people who are in their community first before um, seeking to go out and to um, have conversations with uh, folks who are not white. Um, I think that in that there is, um, in that learning before engaging with a group of of people who can be harmed by um, by words and actions that are that are uh, maybe buried in in the subconscious. Um, I, I think that that's you know just just a better a better option to do some learning beforehand before going to the party. So to do that to have uh, those conversations, I want to suggest. Um, a resource put out by Ibram Kendi called the Anti-Racist Deck, uh, 100 Meaningful Conversations on Power, Equity, and Justice. And they are like, you know, uh, oversized playing cards that have prompts for conversation, prompts for discussion. Um, some of the questions are about uh, our warm-ups, you know, determining the purpose of your discussion. Um, some of them are about action. What does it mean to take action? What different people think? Some of them are about awareness and some of them are about creating opportunities for dialogue. So this is one way that I think people can engage in those conversations with their neighbors. And that might be awkward, but you might also find it interesting to invite your friends and neighbors over to your home and pull out the deck and pull out a question, draw one randomly. Also, there's um, a free um, platform, a free framework called Living Room Conversations. And they provide kind of a step-by-step -step guide to having um, what can be difficult or awkward conversations uh, with, with others, with other individuals. And so have those conversations at home first. Um, don't be like the Pharisees that Jesus talked about. Um, who simply just wanted to be seen in the right spaces, saying the right things, doing the right things, but do your work at home first. What I love about that, Anthony, just I, I just love the whole deck thing. And those people who know me out there um, know that this kind of resource that doesn't really require a whole lot of training. Um, you can order it. And um, I, I, you know, I'm thinking about even when I gather with my uh, teenage and young adult kids around our dinner table to pop out a card to have um, a really awesome conversation about some things that we would never just pick out ourselves. Um, you know, uh, a phrase or a question about um, racism in this country. But also, you know, when you do that kind of work, when you have those kinds of conversations um, with people that you're familiar with and in community with people that are, are your community, chances are people are going to be at varying different levels of knowledge. And so um, having a family member 
or a community person call you out in those moments, um, I think is a safer place to begin to learn some of these things. And I keep on going back to the word practice because that's what it takes is practice. And sometimes, you know, practicing with the people that you know and trust um, then can sort of toughen you up a little bit to then practice it with people that maybe you are not as familiar with. Um, you'll be in practice of doing that. Anyway, you can order those cards, right? Right. Um, like, like just Google it and order it. We will go ahead and put the link to that also on our website. Uh, cause I think that, um, yeah, it's super fun to so, do. I mean, I'm thinking youth groups, I'm even thinking like every board meeting in a church. I know I'm getting oh yeah, super so excited. Every board meeting that mm, like, as you should be, you know, this, this is exciting. And then you pull a card out and you have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. But I mean, but it also can be uh, intimidating, which is, you know, face your fears, folks. Um, but it, it also can be intimidating. But that's why you, you go home first. Right. You have a conversation with your community, people that you know and that you love and that you may have some common understandings uh, with. And if you don't, with some of these definitions or some of these questions, it's like, that's a, that's a good place to kind of get clear on what, you know, what, what words are actually meaning and, and uh, divorced or, or in addition to uh, the, the baggage that we place on them. So uh, for instance, one of the, one of the cards says as a group establish def definitions for each term below race, racial inequity, racial equity, racist in terms of an idea, a person or policy, anti-racist in terms of an idea, person or policy, racism, anti-racism. So like getting clear on definitions, words mean things. <laughs> and um, so then what happens if you like, so you named those terms and, and, you know, and I love how, you know, there is, you know, policy and personal and da, da, da. Um, where, where can you, like, what, what if no one around the table has a definition? What if uh, well, no one I, knows what those mean? You know, I'm glad that you asked that question. Ibram Kendi has included like uh, a little cheat sheet, instruction cheat sheet, right? Where he uh, includes uh, helpful definitions that will aid toward conversation. And what I say about definitions is that, you know, there are multiple definitions. There are multiple understandings. People are, are gleaning old understandings and new understandings and reimagining, you know, what these definitions are. Um, uh, so the problem is that there may be multiple definitions to to a word, multiple understandings of a word. And what needs to happen is having one def one definition, one understanding at a time. And this is what this card is helping you to do. So that when you're having the conversation about what is red, you can agree what red is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, that's... That's my take on it. And I think it's a helpful, 
a resource and and other definitions like i think that it will also be a time for folks to get creative right go on google go on your phone mm -hmm. and look up different definitions and then bring mm -hmm. it to the table and say what's helpful or what's not helpful what may have some conversation around it what do i understand about this what triggers me about this definition this understanding do i not like the words that are used do i not like the feel that i get when those words are used you know am i am i somehow triggered am i somehow feeling violated or feeling unsafe and then that's a good space to remind yourself of something that that my wife um that i learned from my wife that my wife says in the course of doing um uh, her own uh, anti-racism work in community, she says, discomfort is not danger. Mm -hmm. So just because of these words and the way they're put together or who might be saying them or opposing them makes you feel uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that you're actually, that you're in any harm's way. Yes. Well, you know, and I think we talked about this, but I had a conversation with a colleague recently who was curious about the word lynched. So um, in your understanding, Anthony, can you take a minute, and I know this is going off, going rogue, here I go again, Mandy, um, but uh, can you, uh, that word can be hard, triggering, bring up lots of visual images for many people, but when we use it today, in this, in this world, in, in this generation, in this time and space, what, what does it mean in modern um, America? So great um, example of a word that, that is laden with understandings. So lynching can be uh, and is extrajudicial killing uh, of a, of a, person, of an individual, of a group of people by another group of people, right? It is, uh, that that is that is lynching. Lynching's purpose is to terrorize a community by, by picking out a person or a small group of, there's, there are photos um, that make it to this day of uh, families of the descendants of formerly enslaved Africans um, being lynched together. Um, it is, the whole aim is to say, do not be in the line, in the way of what these persons have done. You know, don't, don't follow them or else a similar fate will, will become you. So um, I like to um, see Jesus as having been lynched. I don't mean I don't like to see it, but I but I understand Jesus as having been lynched, right? Romans are not were not lynched. People of lower status were were lynched. Um, and the purpose of that long uh torturous uh being hanged on a cross was, you know, death was sure. sure death would come. Um, but the purpose was, I'm going to mount you uh, in a place where all can see so that they are warned not to follow in your way, not to do the things that you are doing, right? So lynching is, it is the public display of um, warning 
to the community that if you don't stay in line with the master narrative, um, that we are going to put you on public display. So it not is not necessarily about um, the person the person dying. It is about the public display of their wrongdoing. Right. So when you like um, another. In a in a sermon uh, that was pre that I preached on Pentecost um, of twenty nineteen, this was uh, not long at all after George Floyd was lynched in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I um, had a a run where I said, you know, George Flint George Floyd was lynched just as Jesus was lynched, right? The the action of Derek Chauvin um, kneeling on George Floyd's neck was not supposed to be televised. Like he didn't have that in plan, but in but in public display, he was going to kneel on this man's neck. It was a show of power. It was like a trophy pose that you, that you, that one might use in hunting, um, and it was uh, the, to exert power over this man right to say you know stay stay in your place so that maybe pe perhaps people who are walking up and down the sidewalk are saying um you know i don't want to be in those shoes so i'm just going to be i, I don't even know what the infraction is but i'm just not going to i'm going to make sure i don't get in in the way of these militarized police um it was, but there was one who, who had the courage to stand there and to film so that the world could see this lynching on display, right? And so that that was a, a shot heard around the world. That, that was a lynching scene around the world. So the, the goal of lynching, it is an extrajudicial killing, but the goal is to terrorize a community, to terrorize mm -hmm. a population. Um, and and that is exactly what 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 lynching does. James Cone makes the um, the comparison of the cross and the lynching tree. That if you cannot see um, the 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 over the overlay, the similarity, the sameness of the cross of Christ and the and the lynching tree that was used, uh, or the lynching trees that were used to execute. Um, black folk to put black folk on display uh, to terrorize mm -hmm. our communities. Um, then, then you then you can't see the gospel. You you have you have missed the message, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that like in the same way that I mean, vi violence and death um, can happen in all different types of ways, mm -hmm. and um, so. A, there could be a lynching that not necessarily the person actually dies or is physically brutalized, but there is violence um, in other ways that happens with the Black community that can be named as lynching as well. In the same way that there are people can be overtly racist and or they can have microaggressions against people. So that it would also be named as racist right um so it's like it's i think that it's broad 
it's an attempt to kill a behavior sometimes, right? Like to go back, Anthony, to your, um, your definition, like we may not in this moment be trying to kill a, a physical body. I mean, that may be a side, a, a, a side, would, you know, side you effect. said it earlier, right? Mm-hmm. A side effect. Thank you. Um, it may be a side effect, but we're trying to kill this behavior, this way of being. And, and so the point is you better not behave like this or else you will die. Something in you will be murdered. Right. Right. Something within you is going to be, um, I, you know, in the second half of my definition, I say, if one falls short of the ethnocentric ideal in mind, body, or spirit, racist will seek to correct it. And if you, one will not be corrected, racism will seek to destroy you. So it's it's about it's about humiliation. It's about you know call you know co- coercing. Not it's not calling you in. It's coercing you in. It's telling you come in or this will happen to you, right? And that that is that is lynching the the pure invocation of terror. Um, there is a my my grandmother um who who has gone to be with the lord moved from labor to reward um when she would talk about be asked about um her father my grandfather andrew dunbar um he he was disappeared he just disappeared he um and and um we know or we believe from context that it was racial violence and he was disappeared. He was a sharecropper in Mississippi. Um, and uh, something happened uh, made to believe that perhaps um, a, a white man was um, making sexual advances toward my great grandmother and he was attempting to defend her. And so in the course of that, he was disappeared. Um, and so like he physically the, disappeared, he, he was physically disappeared. He was taken. He disappeared okay. from the face of the earth. He the census records. He disappeared. We mm. have no clue. Uh, we know he was born. We know he lived. We know he had uh, children. Um, uh, but we have no clue when he died or where he died or where he went after a certain period of time. Um, due to being disappeared. So my point is in this, that until my grandmother's death, whenever we asked a question about Andrew Dunbar and what she knows of what happened to him, she would start crying, sobbing, shaking, and trembling. That was the goal of lynching. To invoke such terror and such fear that it it possesses you. It it mm. it shuts you down. It take and so after that, uh, she she just you know after those uh, things were happened to her, she just couldn't speak anymore. So so she has died, and we don't know the story of Andrew Dunbar. Mm. So that well, thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for diving deep into that and and letting us take a moment to even. Uh, give examples of uh, what a tool like those um, cards can do 
for people and what they bring up and the kind of conversations that we can have in order to really dive deep into um, language that might be triggering or hard or, um, uh, you know, deep with assumptions. That's the other thing about it that happens is that people have all kinds of assumptions about language that is being used. And until we uh, ask questions and are curious and have conversation about them um, and in relationship with each other um, and to practice that and model that, I think, um, is one of the biggest pieces of working towards anti-racism. Mm-hmm.